the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Join the conversation. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And boy, how pertinent that statement is to the conversation we're going to be having today. And I just want to say thank you to Abigail again, my wonderful co-host, who mm-hmm. I always enjoy doing shows with. And we even rode over to the studio together today and listened to Ben Shapiro <laughs> analyzing <laughs> that terrible Senate vote yesterday yes. on the quote-unquote Defense of Marriage Act, uh, which is anything but so interesting. Yes, tonight we're, we are welcoming former math teacher Bruce Ringeman, who has been in the teaching profession for over 25 years in the St. Paul School District but recently decided he has had enough. He describes tonight for us how some of the schools have become an absolutely toxic environment, both for the students and for the staff, Mm -hmm. absent of any real consequences for the students uh, who are getting into trouble at school. And really, we are here to hear his story. And it's a great example as we try over and over to remind parents um, this, it really is this bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easy for all of us to think it's, it's no, it's not, yeah, it's not really be. that bad. Can't it can't be. be. So mm-hmm. we're going to just hear another real life example of um, a professional experienced professional who mm-hmm. has decided um, he's had enough. So yeah. we would love to welcome to the show, Mr. Ringeman. Welcome to the show, Bruce. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not an experienced um, podcaster. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, but, you know, I remind myself that this isn't about me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about the kids. Yes. And it truly does break my heart that our kids are being subjected to this kind of environment day after day after day. Yeah. Well, before we before we get in, and we do appreciate you going outside of your comfort zone to be able to join us on our podcast. I, I know when you're not used to doing that, it's kind of a little bit intimidating, but you're right. It is important to get this message out to families. Um, so let's start by having you tell us a little bit about your background on your career. I know you've been a 25-year veteran, but tell us a little bit about, you know, were you always in the St. Paul School District? Um, were you always a math teacher? And then just kind of what you've been doing the last several years. Okay. Yeah, um, I actually 
worked at a Native American school in Minneapolis for two years before joining St. Paul. Okay. And that's where I met my wife, so oh, kudos nice. to that. Yeah. Yeah. And she's also an educator. But uh, okay. I um, was hired in St. Paul schools in 1998, okay. halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. Um, worked at uh, high school, Harding High School, for the first 12 years of my career. Mm-hmm. Had an incident at Harding um, that I didn't feel like the administration handled well. I had a student threaten me that he'd beat me so bloody I'd never teach again. You were um, you were threatened and beaten? No, I was that comment was made to me by a student that that he was going to beat me so bloody that I would never teach again. Oh my goodness. You heard that from a student at Harding. Wow. Yeah. That was just asking him to come out into the hallway uh, because he chose to go sit in an unassigned seat area. Yeah. And so I just wanted to have a conversation with him and I don't know, something set him off and and that was his comedy made to the class as he was coming out to the hallway. Oh, and, my um, gosh. So I kind of, you know, the, the way they handled that, at first they were on my side and they supported me and they were going to move this student to another school. Well, the parent got involved and it changed because she claimed I didn't de-escalate the situation. Oh, and how, how do you de Okay, first of all, if, if, a, if an adult said that, to another person out on the street, there was a day when they would get arrested for threatening, you know? Um, So, but because this is a student, a minor in a school setting, they treat it completely differently. And what were you supposed to do to de-escalate? You hadn't even escalated anything to that point. You had just asked him out in the hallway. I did. But I, um, I mean, to their point, I did get upset Mm -hmm. and I did uh, press the kid to repeat what he had said. Yeah. Um, but uh, we had an administrator that was right across the hallway from me, so he quickly kind of intervened. The kid was, you know, posturing like he was going to fight and all that, and, and, and it was kind of whatever. It was ugly. So I had made my mind up that once they changed their views on this and said that we're not going to transfer the student, we're going to put him on a behavior contract, which I saw him violate pretty much every day, late mm-hmm. to class. Mm-hmm. You no, know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just decided I was going to transfer school. So I put in uh, to transfer, and, and I ended up moving over to Como Park Senior High. Okay. So I taught at Como Park Senior High for about six years. Okay. Um, and, you know, at that school, it, it was pretty typical St. Paul school. Um, behaviors I thought were better. Mm-hmm. There, although I did have some challenging classes because I taught a couple of uh, math support classes, and and those are kids that pretty much failed most of their math classes, and they stick them on the same class, and so that was mm-hmm. very challenging behavior-wise. But mm-hmm. um, so I was there six years, and then and this could be another three-month episode. But uh, <laughs> 2016 was not a good year if you were a conservative, and let it be known you were a conservative. So mm-hmm. let's just say. Our principal encouraged staff to do what's called restorative justice oh, yes. and hold restorative circles. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of, this is the direction our school is going. If you don't want to go this direction, you can leave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I actually thought there was a lot of merit to the program. Mm-hmm. Um, I believed in having these restorative circles and having conversations with students 
and building relationship because I felt like you built relationship that's going to lessen the the behavioral issues. Sure. So I was I was a hundred percent on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, we could go through the episodes here, but bottom line is on my third day of restorative justice, and this is you're setting aside your curriculum for the entire day, which I didn't like to do, but it was heavily encouraged to do this. Mm-hmm. So I had a discussion with my classes about not judging others before getting to know them. Mm-hmm. That was that was my lesson. And I had some pictures that I showed. I had a music video called Brother that I really think is uh, something that people should listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, the opening line is, when I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a song about getting along and, and uh, getting to know people. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I have this lesson and like I said, three episodes here, some parent decided to, um, I used the election as the background for this discussion. So it was a week after the election went, and uh, I knew my students. I knew only 6% supported Trump, mm-hmm. 70-some percent supported Clinton. I knew that. I was very careful of what I said, how I said it, trying to be respectful. Mm-hmm. And to me, we had great conversations all day long. That night, I was asked to turn in my badge. Wow. So, so no student no had ever said anything to you in class like, you really offended me with what you said, or you got no negative feedback at all throughout the day? Um, one student got a little bit upset. Um, I don't recall exactly what it was about, but I know it didn't last long. Hmm. And uh, and there was a lot of respectful conversations during the day. Mm-hmm. So as far as I could tell, it went over fine. Hmm. And yeah, Sonia was like I said, it's, it's three, three podcasts at least. So mm-hmm. turn in my badge, go through this HR investigation, um, blah, blah, blah. But I know the show is not about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't want to spend a lot of time mm-hmm. on this part of it. But I'll say that it led to a transfer. Mm-hmm. So the administrative delete transferred me to a middle school. Mm-hmm. So I had spent my first 18 years teaching high school mathematics. Right. And now so they're switching now, you to middle school. Now I go to Washington Middle School, and um, it was the most difficult transition in my entire life. Hmm. Like, everything was new. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, the students were not well-behaved from the get-go. Hmm. So I, I struggled in the beginning. Uh, we, had, we had four math teachers there. Two years later, uh, we, we stuck together for two years. Three of them left. I was the only one that remained. Wow. Half of the eighth grade team left that year. Wow. So that was two years into Washington. And we've had three administrators in my six years being there. Wow. Right? So they, they kind of cycle through. Our mm-hmm. counselors cycle through. Mm-hmm. It's a tough gig. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. So this is, um, what is the, do you mind sharing the name of the school or would you rather not do that? I'm just kind of curious, is this a, is this a school for students who, is it an alternative learning program of some kind or um, why is this school maybe worse than say Como was? Uh, Well, first of all, Como is a high school. Yeah. So, you know, the the challenging grade is ninth grade. And then by the time they're 10th graders, students that really even aren't into the academics, they usually aren't that out of control behaviorally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
So the maturity helps a ton sure. by the time they hit 10th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington is a 6 through 12 school. So that's why I'm at okay. Washington Technology. Okay. And they're a 6 through 12 school. So I'm in the, the middle school portion of it with the 8th graders. Mm-hmm. And there is a ton of difference between 8th grade and ninth grade behavior. Sure. At least in my experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so extremely challenging. Uh, a lot of you know, situations, and I don't want to just, you know, hit hot buttons here because, um, you know, I'm not in control of who's in what classes, but mm-hmm. I think they mainstream special ed a few years back, mm-hmm. and that tends to be a little bit of the challenge mm-hmm. of how we deal with the behaviors and still teach our classes. So when you say they're mainstreaming um, students, um, special ed students, what you're probably talking about particularly is they're mainstreaming students who would, t- who would have maybe previously been emotionally behavioral, emotional behavioral classrooms, um, the EBD Correct. students. And um, so then that brings behavior problems into your classroom, into your mainstream classroom. Is that what you're saying? Right. And, um, and I'm not saying it's all that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what the breakdown is. And in fact, it seems like today they've kind of gone into data secrecy mode. Mm-hmm. It used to be when kids were dismissed, you would be given a list of those kids every morning so you could see if they were in your classes and then be sure that they had a, a readmit conference with the principal before being back in school. Mm-hmm. Well, this year they've, done away with that practice. So we are getting no information. We don't know who's being dismissed. We don't even know if they're being dismissed. We don't know what resolutions are taking place as a teacher. It's all undercover. Hmm. And, and and I asked my principal, what state law is not allowing you guys to do this anymore? And she shot me a, a Q&A document from 2010. <laughs> Interesting. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, so if you're using this, apparently we weren't abiding by the law for the last 11 years. Right, right. Huh, that's really interesting. Um, So, Bruce, can you just share with us a few of some of the specific things that you have seen in the classroom? And then, you know, because we are, yeah, we're already halfway through the show. In fact, I just want to remind our listeners that you are listening to Education America on AM 1280 The Patriot. And we have on our show former St. Paul math teacher Bruce Ringeman, who has been in the profession for 25 years, um, but recently decided to take a leave of absence. And you've been telling us a little bit more about your history and how you ended up at the school you're at. And clearly there have been issues all the way through your career, starting mm-hmm. at Harding um, and going to Como and then now at Washington. Um, but you you left under some pretty hot circumstances because of the way you've been treated by students. And we hear that there's a lot of turnover in the school, three different principals in six years, counselors leaving, most of your math teaching staff leaving, and you were the only math teacher left from your original class when you first got there. Tell us about some of the, the behaviors that you're having to deal with when you're trying to teach a math class in eighth grade. Sure. Be happy to. So there's like eight to 15 kids every day that just kind of run hallways. They avoid um, the behavioral specialist who's out in the hallway, and there might be another monitor on the hallway. I don't know how they do it. Sometimes I think they're just allowed to stay out there because they're taking a so-called break. Right? Mm-hmm. They need some break from, from school, which I'm okay with when mm-hmm. it's like 10, 15 minutes. Right. But for a lot of these kids, it's all day. And so when they're in the hallway, 
there's loud conversations, they're doing TikTok videos, there's pounding on walls, there is um, coming into your classroom and they don't belong there and walking across and talking to their friends. Um, wow. Just walking in, just walking in. It's wow. unbelievable, right? And so, so that's some of the stuff from the hallway. In the classroom, you're going to get some students who just want to be flat out defiant that day. Mm-hmm. So our policy is during lessons, phones are away. So they're going to be out the whole time. You'll address it. They'll refuse to give you the phone mm-hmm. or put it on your desk, which is what I ask them to do. So I have to run into the hallway, locate a behavioral specialist. He'll come into my room. Mm-hmm. Then they, uh, they'll give the phone to the behavioral specialist, which this has happened like 50 times this year. I'm not kidding. Wow. 50 times. And I'm I'm just like so shocked that a student won't give me their phone or put it on my desk, but yet they'll hand it over 100% of the time to the behavioral specialist. Interesting. What a waste of everybody's time. Right, right. Because then you leave the class, you're not teaching when you're leaving the class. Exactly. And what a reasonable request to have a phone sitting on a desk where they're not dealing with it so that they can be listening and learning. The whole point of the class is to be teaching math. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so, I mean, you'll see that. And then some of the bigger ones are kids just don't want to sit in their assigned seat. You'll have three to five kids in this one particular class, if they come, will sit off to the side. You know, and, and I have two rules in my class. You sit in your assigned seat and you put your phone away until the lesson's over. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's pretty basic. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I'll have to go get behavioral specialists to ask these kids to go to their assigned seats. So that's that's kind of a daily thing. If you sometimes directly interact with the kids, depending on the day they're having, that's when you're going to get lit up with a bunch of colorful words. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I say it's become an abusive environment. It really has. Like mm-hmm. every day, if I did what the administration would want me to do and address the kids that weren't doing the right things, whether it's in the hallway or in my classroom, if I went to address those kids, I would be lit up every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be abused verbally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so, going to just actually read a quote from the article that was written that actually alerted us to the situation. Um, you you wrote in here, Fridays and breaks can never come soon enough for me this year. I've always been able to make it to MEA without needing time off to recover, but not this year. This year, I feel like I've been run over by a train every day I believe, every day that I leave. This week, I probably asked, a, or I politely asked a student that wasn't supposed to be in my room to go to her class. This was four minutes after the bell had rung. Her response, quick talking to me, get out of my space. I was three to four feet away. I then calmly repeated that she needed to leave, and she responded with, shut the blank blank up, you blank blank blank. Um, I can't even imagine a student teaching or treating a teacher this way. And when you say it's abusive, that is abusive. The student wasn't even in your class. You're trying to teach. She walks into your class, and this is how she treats you when you tell her she should go to her own class. Um, that is, it's just mind boggling to me. And, and so then when you go to your principal and share the situation and no wonder you don't want to address and confront these kids, if that's what you're going to get every single time you do, um, what happens when you go to your principal about this? Well, that's a great question. And I wish you'd be on the show. (laughs) Um, 
she has said to me in a meeting, like, I feel like she has harassed me. I feel like I could prove that, but I'm not going to go down that street. So she called me in for a meeting one day and we talked about behavioral. And um, she has told me that she thinks that consequences for 99.9% of the kids that act this way mm-hmm. do not work. Okay. But what she fails to realize is that by not giving these kids consequences, the rest of the student body and staff are suffering. Yeah. yeah. We are suffering. Yeah. What does and- she think is the better alternative? Okay, so, you know, there's there are certain kids who I have heard that about, that consequences don't matter. But then, like you say, then what is the rest of the group supposed to do? What are the rest of the students supposed to do? Like, what... What does she think is supposed to happen in order to make for a reasonable learning environment? Well, I don't know how much time in her day she thinks there is. I mean, obviously, I feel like she expects more than 24 hours in a day because her expectations are for teachers to take time out and to reteach life skills to these students. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And like they're actually going to be in the frame of mind to listen to what you say. Right. When they're talking to you like that, they don't care. And I have seen I have seen our behavioral specialist be mocked, be um, sworn at. And and he's a great guy. I mean, I give him all the credit in the world. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get paid enough. And he tries to talk reason and motivate these kids. And I think he's having an impact. But it's such a slow change. Right. It was. Yeah. 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 And how much more of an impact would it be if if he had the support and each teacher had the support of the administration saying, you know, I I mean, there are Mm -hmm. so many psychological studies showing that um, boundaries for children are not a curse. They're a blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It teaches them, you know, it does. That is what teaches them life skills is. You know, if if you touch a hot pot and you burn your hand, now obviously, hopefully, they're not actually touching a hot pot. But for an example, you know, boy, they'll not touch that hot pot again. And, you know, and again, if you're late to school and you get a bad grade, you know, that is that is too bad. natural consequences. There are natural consequences. Because there are natural. What will they they learn Mm -hmm. when they leave school? Because, you know, companies are not going to have behavioral specialists to walk them through how to behave appropriately. They'll be fired. Right. Right. I do feel like part of the solution is we need another space for these kids. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's another building. I don't know if it's a, you know, a small space within our school, but some of these students and I don't like to make excuses for kids' behaviors, but I get that some of these students are dealing with a lot of trauma and they don't know how to cope. Mm-hmm. And so it comes out as anger, right? Sure. It's either sad or anger, but a lot mm-hmm. of it comes out as anger. Um, mm-hmm. I've said for 10 years, somewhat jokingly, but somewhat real, that I feel like some of these kids need to have a group therapy hour in their day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they need to be able to process because it's coming out. And here's the other thing too, is it comes out at the teachers. We send them out to behavioral specialists. They may or may not make progress, but a lot of times they do. Kids calm down. But when they come back in the classroom, there's not a restoration piece with the classroom teacher. And mm-hmm. so what mm-hmm. often happens is the, te- the the students will abuse the teacher again within a day or two. 
Mm. And and so I've mentioned this to our administration, like we need to be part of this restoration process so that yeah. we actually have a relationship with the kids so that we lessen these, you know, the, the frequencies. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Well, and when you say they should be in a separate place, I mean, honestly, I think it was, um, I don't know that it was tied to Common Core or if it was tied to the DEI that was kind of woven throughout Common Core, but that is around the time that they were pulling kids out of special ed and mainstreaming them. And I think they were doing that because they thought that there was a um, you know, larger number of minority students that were in a uh, disproportionate number of minority students that were in the special ed programs. Um, and so they, they kind of just, my understanding is that there was a lot, there were a lot of districts that just decided carte blanche, well, we can't do this anymore. We need to mainstream them. Um, but in all reality, as you're pointing out, that's not doing anyone in a, fa- a favor. It's not doing those kids a favor and it's not doing the students who want to learn a favor either. And if they're in a more specialized program, then they could have an hour of the day devoted to a counseling, kind of a group counseling session and life skills session like your principal is asking you to do. You can have it both ways. If you're going to mainstream these kids, there isn't the time in the day to be able to have those special programs, support programs that would really help these kids. Because like you're pointing out, when when the behavior specialist does talk with them, they do calm down. You do see some progress. It's just so slow. What if they really had a couple hours of the day where they could work with this behavioral counselor? Um, don't right. you think their pro- progress would be so much more quick? And maybe uh, you'd actually absolutely. see them um, turn the corner before they graduate from high school so that they don't end up in this situation where, as Abigail pointed out, no employer is going to tolerate that behavior. Um, they're right. not going to make it in life. Right. And there's two sides to this coin, right? There's the kids that need these interventions and these life skills. And then there's the kids that are losing out on education because so many resources, including teacher time, is being devoted to, to dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where my um, heart breaks is for the kids that, I mean, for both sides. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say just for one. Yeah. But both sides, the kids that are sitting there waiting, okay, my teacher's been gone for 10 minutes trying to run somebody down. Mm-hmm. We're doing nothing, mm-hmm. right? And that happens way too often, way too often, where it may not be 10 minutes, maybe two, five, I don't know, but it's time. So every interruption you get to a lesson, like think about math. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to connect the dots. And every time you're interrupted, we got to start over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's it's just been frustrating. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, the bottom line was, um, this has never happened in my career, but I was threatened on the second day of school. When I asked a student to step into the hall because he kept talking and went quiet down. Mm-hmm. Second day at school. Second I'm gonna day. I'm going to beat your ass. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the word. I'm going to beat your A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you mm-hmm. go out in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, funny thing is when I started teaching at uh, Heart of the Earth 25 years ago, mm-hmm. if a kid swore, it used to just, I just cringed inside. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you have gotten so used to that. It's not even, you don't even bat an eye anymore. Oh, it's kind of sad. That is heartbreaking. You know? And you know, so as... Go ahead, Bruce. I was going to say what it's done to not just me, but some of the kids don't even see the chaos anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't even see it. It's normal for them. Yeah. It's the way school has been. Yeah. And and they don't know what it looks like to actually be in a school environment where education is a priority. And mm-hmm. that's the culture. And people are striving to earn good grades and 
get involved with school activities and be a part of the school and have ambition for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something I see a lot of kids being exposed to. Yeah, that is just heartbreaking. Well, Bruce, we've come to the end of our time and we're so grateful to have you share your story here. And I do hope that um, through your sharing of the story that people will become more aware of what the reality is for so many kids and um, and the reality that we're losing really good teachers because of this as well. It is contributing to the teacher shortage, and, and research even documents that. Mm-hmm. We have to get these schools turned around for the future of this country. So thank you for joining us, Bruce, and thank you, Abigail, and thank you to our listeners. And you can listen to this show and other podcasts at savetheclassroom.com. And we hope that you'll follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great night. We'll see you next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.